Would you please welcome to the stage Mr. Timothy Chanter? The man, the legend. No. Um, we thought that it would be a fun thing to do a little bit of an interview to start the message today because for a lot of you, you're saying, uh, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know what his story is. Some of you have been around forever and um, remember back when he was a kid, um, but some of you not. And so uh, t- would you just kind of, uh, t- Tim is our missionary to the Yemi Yemi tribe in Papua New Guinea, but would you first talk just about how you came to faith, how you came to a relationship with Jesus when that was. Awesome. All right. Guys, awesome. Good, awesome. <laughs> good morning to you all. Uh, He's trying to scale back the energy because yeah. first service, yeah, yeah he, was, he was ready to go. I'm trying to be normal. There you um, go. Guys, we are so excited to be back. When I was seven years old and in the bathtub where I did most of my reflecting time as a young one, that's when I believed I believed in Jesus. And, and growing up, there was some abuse and, and when I was 16, you know, you, you felt like I couldn't be used by the Lord, but got counseled, got honest, got transparent. And so by 18, I heard a missionary come to my church who had been overseas for 20 years. You can throw the map up on the screen in this place of Papua New Guinea. And he said, I'd been there for 20 years and I reached a tribe and so can you. But it's going to take your life. Are you willing to give your life? And that just really spoke to me. Uh, first problem with that was... I didn't want to go because it was stinky and smelly and the people, I just like, oh, I don't want to be dirty. I'm going to get dirt under my fingernails. Come on. You know, I was a clean guy. And that was one thing I had to get past. The second thing was, why don't you be more efficient, God? Why don't you send the angels or just tell them in dreams? Be a lot more efficient, you know? And uh, that's not the way he does it. He sends humans. He sends people. And actually, last year, I, I went on YouTube just to check on all these stories of uh, Muslims and others who have come to the faith after this dream that they got. And so far, unless you found one that I haven't seen yet, they've never shared the gospel in a dream, or an angel has never given the gospel. Every time, it's pointing them to the nearest human, the child of God who has the gospel to give them. It's always to the vehicle of a human mouth. So... If you find another way. So that to me, so I don't send the angels. I don't send dreams. I send people. I send you to bring the good news overseas to these guys. Okay. All right. So at 18 years old, I remember sitting there going, well, let's do it. Let's do it. And it was like he, uh, Chris was saying about the guy who got baptized. It was just simple. God said to do it, so we will. The, the big picture concept was we are all called to be a part of this global mission. It's just what is your part? Either you're going or you're finding some guy and sending him to go in your place. And so for me at 18, my wife was 16, Courtney. Um, she was the beautiful woman in the last picture. Um, she's from Michigan. We met here in Michigan at the New Tribes Bible Institute there in Jackson. It was, I was actually first time coming over you know, to the Midwest and seeing green pastures. It's only something I'd seen on TV because I'm from L.A. and you know, cement everywhere and brown mountains. So it was really cool. And then they have beautiful, a beautiful woman here. One, I mean, y'all are pretty too, but she <laughs> found her at Bible school and we got married, had three kids and planted a church. Well, uh, what were all those dots on the map? Oh yes. Those dots are 800 different. What do you think they are? They're different tribes. Yes. Different language groups. Over 800 different language groups. 
And you're like, well, they're probably similar. No, those are different. There's 2,000 dialects on top of that, and a dialect is just a slight difference. So, so how did you end up with Yemi Yemi? Well, there's letters that they've written where they've seen a change in a tribe next door. They can't really communicate with them, but they see a light in their eyes, and they see a darkness in theirs. And so that's how we got our letter. Our guys have been waiting nine years in the filing cabinet for one of us to come and just pick it out. And we prayed for about a week. The same thing when we left. We didn't get this special emotional call. It was just, let's go. And if he shuts the door, he does. We're just going to walk in faith. Same with, we had, you know, we had 13 letters in front of us on the table. And they just oh, pick, pick YMBMB and we'll go for it. Prayed about it for a week, but then we stepped forward. And because there's so many. And we just pray the next missionaries who come through will get the rest of the tribes. Hey, don't miss that. It may be that God is working today and, and calling one of you to a tribe that doesn't, know the, that doesn't know Jesus at all. That God may be doing that. But certainly God is calling you to ministry in your area. And, and you think, you know what? I've got to have this kind of supernatural experience where the lightning happens and the house shakes and all that. That's not the way that God typically works. He does do that sometimes. But more often than not, it's just, you know what? Here's a need. And you respond. And that's how Tim, Tim and Courtney ended up with, with Yemi Yemi. So um, how long does it take? Uh, when you went there, how long ago has that been? 10 years? 11 years? 2005, yeah. We got into the tribe to the... Oh, man. I wish I'd have known this. Yeah. It's 2018, so... 13 years. 13 years. Uh, what's it look like with the, with the tribal people to take them from no relationship with Jesus to uh, a church that's there that can stand alone? All right. The guy that challenged me, it took him 20 years. And now it's taking 15 to 20 years. It depends, but it takes a long time. And, and what are the steps involved in that? You go and learn the language, and after you learn the language, you develop an alphabet because there's no written language. So we found 19 sounds, gave him an alphabet, taught him how to read. Then you start translating. And when you stand up, you want to hold God's word and say, God has a message for you. This is God's talk, not man's talk. And so we take them through. We always translate first. Because as you translate, then you realize terms like forgiveness. Our term for forgiveness is five words because they never had a term for forgiveness or anything like that. And so you're actually creating concepts that are foreign in an entire people group. And then you finally do share the gospel. And we had 11 believers our first night. And then you're there discipling them for years on end until the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's time matures them. But you're, you're walking up and down through the mess. How, how long does it take to learn language, culture? Some guys, it takes 20 years, some 10, some 3. It just, it takes years. How long did it take you? By God's grace, it took us nine months. But we were going to get divorced at the end of that. So I don't recommend going that fast. <laughs> we Probably a year and a half, we would have been a happier couple. Um, but yeah. It does, it, you just work as hard as you can. So, so you've been there for 13 years. Last year, you were here for a year. Why was that? Uh, there's two reasons we always said we'd come off the field. Health, that we couldn't get help with, and mom and dad, Timothy 5, taking care of mom and dad. And so Courtney had an injury when she was 10 years old up there in St. John's, flared up in 2010 in the tribe when she fell, and so you have a back and neck problem. Finally, in 2016, we just couldn't fix or get healing. So we came here and we feel like the house that you gave us, we were over here next door, was like our triage unit. 
You guys blessed us. We didn't have to pay rent. Thank you so much. We were able to save money. We didn't have, we were able to pay off all the medical expenses. And you guys provided us with two amazing people. Jen Whitman, I'm I'm gonna do shout out. She's a great chiropractor there in downtown DeWitt. We saw her every week. And another one, Sheila Jendik, amazing doctor if you need one. Both of those ladies, you guys, and, and then the, the house, and then you paid for our plane tickets to go back. So you got us better in your triage unit, that's what we call it, and then you sent us back for a year, and we're just so grateful. Thank you for your generous hearts. So what, so what are you doing now in Yemi Yemi, what, or in Papua New Guinea? What, what's your role there? We don't live in the tribe because we're wanting the leaders to form up and be, be solid, because normally we would have guys who didn't want to sit under leadership. They would just say, I'll wait for my missionary to come, and then we'll deal with the problem. No, you guys, it's you guys now. We're not going to be here forever. And so we're over in another village where a bunch of us missionaries are, where we phased out of the work, and we're about an hour and a half flight. Uh, the, the government put a cell tower in so I can call them. So I pick a guy each day and I just talk to him for a few hours and see how things are going. The second thing we're working on is curriculum, making sure they get everything they need, commentaries, teach your guys, you name it. And so we're doing that. And then at the same time, we're working on base and I'm part of a church planning consultant team. And we go around and evaluate different church plans so that we are doing the best we can with what we know. Um, I, I don't know if you caught that in that last sentence or not, but God has placed Tim in a place that he's having an influence around the entire nation of Papua New Guinea, working with new churches that are there, working um, with uh, helping grow leaders and helping those churches uh, become self-sufficient, led by indigenous peoples, all that stuff, right? Amen. Um, So crazy question, uh, you know, because I get to ask it. So how, how do you get paid? That is a great question. He surprised me last service. And we don't, yeah, I, you know, every time a missionary comes through, they, say, oh, we, they just want money. That's not the case. But yes, how, you ask. You don't, so you don't want money. No, I mean, that's helpful. <laughs> that's helpful. No, and we're so grateful for your support. Uh, yeah, we're, we're supported monthly by, um, we have five churches, and then we have uh, individuals and couples that support us monthly. And where are the churches? Uh, we have two in California, one in Idaho that we just passed through and spoke, and then two here, one here in St. John's. Got it. Yeah. Um, we, we've been privileged to be a part of that team. And uh, lots of people at North Point are, are people who also support Tim and Courtney individually as well as the church. Um, you can do that after the service. You can talk to Tim. You can probably stop out at the missions kiosk if you're interested in doing that. Part, uh, I'll just say this. Part of the reason why they're here is over, over time when you're a missionary, churches stop people stop giving and uh, they have additional needs in terms of support. And uh, last year as a church, we increased our, our giving to them in a significant way that we needed to. And, uh, and they have some needs. So just know that that's there. Um, I'm going to get off stage and give Tim a chance to speak from God's word. Would you just encourage him one more time and let him know that we're glad he's here. Amen. Thanks, Rick. All right, all right. Here we go. Galatians chapter 5. If you want to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, we got 13 minutes here. We're going to make it happen. Get you out of here by noon. This spirit wants. Okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Put your finger there. Okay. This is the timeline hanging up in our village right now. In our um, house, we call it a teaching house. This is the timeline. And I love this timeline because I don't know about you. When I grew up in Sunday school, I got God's story in piecemeal. I got it in pieces. I heard about Jesus before I heard about a lot of this. 
When we share his story, he expects us to start in page one that he made. Remember, he wrote the book. He ordered it. And it's our job to go in his order. So that's why in Yembi we started with, in the beginning, God. And he created it in six days. Adam and Eve were there. And then this problem of sin came in. And guys, we did not move past this moment of sin until the majority of the people in the village got it. Because you have no business going past the problem. Because everything else is a solution to this problem. Everything comes back here. So if I'm on a plane, or I'm doing evangelism, I just camp out here. We talk about God, talk about their dilemmas, their problems with God. We talk about the problem of sin. Because everything else, once you start in Genesis 3.15, it talks about the seed who's going to come. And I love this red line because it threads all the stories. They're not stories there for nothing. They are put there specifically to wrap around, to be threaded through the line of the Messiah. And so everyone was looking for this Messiah who's going to come through Noah, through Babel, Abraham, and Isaac, the Passover. He's continuing. There's people. God is saying this Messiah is coming. You have the kings. Finally get to the end. And they're still saying, look for the Messiah. Keep your eyes peeled. And then he comes. And they say his name is Jesus. They didn't know his name was Jesus. We spent four months with our guys letting them live in this. We even had guys who were sacrificing whatever they could at this moment when our, some of our people got sick. They hadn't got the end of the story. They're like, well, we understand there's a God. Let's, let's sacrifice to him like Abraham did. Maybe he will heal our sick ones. But we finally got to the end and we said, Jesus died. He's the Lamb of God. And right when you say that, if you've been with anyone and walking them through this whole story of the Lamb, the sheep, the blood, the death, Lights start going off. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, no way. And then it's just like this web. It just flows back in and goes back. He is the one promise from the beginning. He is that final lamb sacrifice. It was his plan all along from the beginning of creation to have this whole story of six or 4,000 years or whatever you think it is. And we had guys believe the gospel. We had 11 believers our first night. And this is where we say, okay, now you're a child of God now you have the Holy Spirit. And so we have a church. There's a picture of our church up there uh, somewhere. It's coming up. There it is. We have about 50 people in our church, and that's the people we've been working with for the last many years. Uh, let's go to that next slide. So when Jesus was at the end of his life, and he said, he's about to go up into heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news. And did that. It took us four years. And that second line at the bottom says what? How long does it take to make disciples? People say it took Jesus three years. Okay, let's follow that for a second. Four, let's say he spent four hours a day with each guy for three years. That's 30,888 hours. I was up to 1.30 last night. had time. <laughs> if I'm going to make disciples like Jesus made, and I'm doing about four hours a week with a guy, it's going to take me 144 years to put the same amount of time that Jesus did in three so if you're going to make disciples, you're meeting with someone once a week. How long is it going to take to really make a disciple with that guy? It's going to take more than three years. And that's why we're going back. That's why we said earlier why it takes 20, because the Holy Spirit, he takes his time to mold and bring out the filth that's in there, that some of the stuff you don't even know that's there. And someone needs to be there to help walk through the mess of life. And that's why we're going back. That's why we're excited to go back. And this passage here in Galatians 5.16 is like what we're always hitting on with our disciples. In Galatians chapter 5, 
Paul is writing to the church, and he says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Do you see the dilemma? Is my question. Do you see that there's a problem? The problem is what makes this passage so powerful. You've heard it over and over, but I have it underlined what the sinful nature craves. Let's talk about the sinful nature for a second. Next slide. There it is. There's me, and then there's a sinful nature. I'm not the sinful nature, and the sinful nature is not me. But there's this joining that happened back here somewhere. Let's go back to the beginning, Yembe style. Okay? So we have in the beginning at day six where Adam and Eve created. They were created on day six. Was the sin nature there at that point inside of Adam? No. Good. Good answer. Good answer. Some people are like, okay, Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Everything's good. Was the sin, did the sin nature come in yet? No. It came in here. When they ate of the fruit of the tree, death came in. We can go to the next slide. There it is. At that moment, boom. Something that wasn't there before is now inside of them. It's called, it's a result of death. Now he didn't fully understand it then, but we're able to look back now and by God's grace, he has illuminated our eyes to what happened there so that we can understand what's going on inside of us today. Understanding that dilemma, understanding the problem that started back here. So you always go back here. If someone's not understanding and there's, there's, there's clarity, it's probably because they're, Pieces are out of order. Let's always go back to the beginning, where it started. At what point am I separated from my sinful nature, or however you want to say it? I know it's, we're talking about spiritual terms here. At what point does the Holy Spirit come into me? At what point? You say belief? Belief in what? Yeah, let's go to that Galatians passage. We're not pulling this out of my pocket here. He says this, you receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Right here, guys, over here, when I believed and I said this, the sin payment is true for my sin, pays for me instantly. You weren't looking for the Holy Spirit, but boom, he gave it right into you, whether you like it or not. And so now look, we have one side, the sinful nature, we have me, because I'm, and then we have the Holy Spirit. Next slide. Guys, the sinful nature is there, the spirit and the you. That's why I have it highlighted. Look at this passage. There's three characters in this passage. And we're going to read it together. Let's read it together. Verse 17 continues. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then we're going to underline it there. The two forces, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions, the your, the you. And so we have this problem. We have the sinful nature and we have the Holy Spirit. Now, in other parts of Scripture, it's called evil desires. James talks about that. We won't go through. I just throw the verses up there so you know it. Evil desires. Let's go to Isaiah 55, 8. It's up on the screen. My thoughts. This is God talking to you. Every single one of us in here. Now, he was talking back in the day right here. This is where Isaiah comes in the time. And this is what God said through Isaiah. Guys, my thoughts, I'm God. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Nothing like. Totally separate. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Ooh, that gives me headaches sometimes when I meditate at night on it. Like, okay, I have to pause. 
That just blows my mind. I pray it blows yours. So when you look up, if I just draw a, a fake line, right? Not a fake line, but anyways, you get the picture. You have I and the sinful nature apart from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has God's thoughts. He holds all the treasures of God's thoughts. He's the only one I can get his thoughts from. So that means by myself, naturally, I don't have any of God's thoughts in me. On my own, I wake up in the morning by myself without any prodding of his, his Holy Spirit by myself. I don't think the way he does. You don't think the way I do, Tim. And you never will unless I come and open your eyes to it. Woo! That is so powerful, guys! Oh, man, I have a story I'm going to tell in a second. I can't wait to get there. Okay, so just so you're thinking I'm lying here, in John chapter 14, Jesus is there. He said, the Spirit's going to come. He's going to teach you. And then in 16.1, he said, he's going to tell you everything of what God's thoughts are. But here is the big one. Listen up. This is, yeah, I'm trying not to spaz. This is the one right here. The sinful nature will never want to do what God wants to do. That is a big point. That touched my heart. When I realized that, it changed my life forever. Because I grew up in the church, guys. You know, I'd sit here and I'd listen to the more wiser guy up on stage. And his name wasn't Rick, but he, you know, another guy. And I'd sit there and I'd be like, that was a good message. How did he see that in there? Why is he, he, he's having his time with the Lord, but I, I get excited after church. I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk with God. And I would do this in elementary school and then other times, uh, middle school. And where was I? In high school. And I'd, I'd walk out the door and over time I became discouraged. And this, this is a picture of me, Tim Shanter, growing up in the church, just walking out going, oh, this isn't real. This is a bunch of baloney. He's probably just faking it up there. Because I don't have this joy. What's the problem? Problem is I didn't see that I, Tim Chanter, will never want to do what God wants me to do. That changed my prayer life right away. Then I started praying. Like even last night, I was praying for today, this afternoon, after we all go home. I pray, and I even put in my calendar. I pray that there would be this moment that I shut the door behind me. The kids are asleep, and I have an intimate moment with the Father, and I meditate on his word. Because this was just words to me, and I knew it wasn't supposed to be, but it was. And I had to be honest about where I was at. Been in the church, some people been in the church 40, 50 years, and you're still like, yeah, that was a nice message, okay. And you know deep down, it's not alive to you, really, is it? It's kind of dull. We have two believers washed in the blood. So that's why they're red. Blood's still there. Okay. Two believers. They're both believers. Okay. But the guy on the right, he fills his mind. He's busy. That was me. Uh, work. Got a lot of work to do. And then church. Got to have that in there. And then my house. I got to work on my phone or I look at my phone. Video games. Netflix. All right. Got to have that in there. What else we got? Debt. Ooh. Got to keep working so many hours just to keep up my debt going. And then I serve in the church, and then I have my Proverbs 24, because it's a June 24th. So I'm going to put Proverbs 24 in there. Nice. 
This is a believer. He has his mind filled. Your mind's always filled with something. The question is, which side is it filled with? Your mind is always filled with something. The question is, which side are you filled with? Because when the darkness comes along and she is walking across the parking lot, Oh, shoes coming off. Ladies, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, never touch these things. So she comes along, and hey, look at that. Oh, little porn came up on the internet site, and what happens? Falls into sin. Why? This represents Tim Chanter for 11 years. I was struggling with this dilemma. Why? Week after week. I don't know, some of you guys, maybe last night, looking at porn or doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. Or ladies on the phone, gossiping. I don't know what it is. Insecure. You don't know, I don't know what your secrets are, what's going on when you're not here. But for me, this is what was happening. I'm, I got my Bible reading, Proverbs 24. Why could it keep me away from her? Because it was just Knowledge. Listen to these next two verses. They're in Jeremiah 31, 33. We're going to throw it up there. Jeremiah 31, 33. And it's coming. Anyways, it says that God writes on our hearts. God writes on our hearts. It was a prophecy way back here. And he says, God writes on our hearts. And then when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus over here, They were with him for two hours. They were with him for two hours. And just at the end, right when they got to Emmaus, it has this cool little thing. I'll just read it here in in, uh, Luke 24. It says this. I'm going to find it. Luke 24. There it is. It says, and he or Jesus opened their minds to understand. Oh, there it is. Look at that, guys. Look at that. The Holy Spirit holds God's thoughts. He holds the wisdom. He holds the understanding. The reason I wasn't getting stuff out of my time with the Lord is because he wasn't opening my eyes to it. I'd give up after five minutes. I did my devotions. That's what pastor says to do. He knew I was going to give up after five minutes. He's not going to give me his precious jewels. He's trying to show me, Tim, you don't want me. Naturally, I don't want him. I... I woke up this morning, felt the same way I did yesterday. I don't wake up just wanting to read his word, just wanting to go out and preach to you guys, just wanting to love my family. I'm Tim Chanter by myself without his Holy Spirit. That's who I am. And that's what I'm wanting to get you this morning. Do you see the problem? Do you see that you're in a battle? Because I didn't see myself in the battle. I was taking so much credit for the good things I was doing. You know, I'd go love my mom as a kid. Or I'd help someone out at the, you know, help the old lady or the nice lady push her cart outside of the better in years woman. <laughs> Wiser. You know what? I, and the Lord has taught me as we look back. He said that was copyright the Holy Spirit. Every book out there should be copyright the Holy Spirit. And any errors was me. Every song, CCLA license, you know, you see it on the bottom there. Copyright the Holy Spirit. And then any problems was my fault, Chris Tomlin. You know what I'm saying? Like, we take credit for so much of what the Holy Spirit has done. 
And he's trying to teach you, man, let's look back. I'm trying to teach you how disgusting you are in your mind. Naturally, without me. It's going to change the way you pray. So then I pray, I pray, Lord, I pray that I would meet with you. I don't actually do it because I don't want to do it. I pray that you would open my eyes to this, that this wouldn't be just words on a page. See, in here, it's just knowledge. You know about it. But the difference, when he writes it on your heart, oh, I love that. When he opens your mind, it's hard to explain. As I'm trying, I'm trying to explain it. I'm like, I wish I could explain it, but it's spiritual. It's kind of mystical. It's hard. I just hope that you can see the joy in my eyes that this is real. That this is real. And if you were like me and you're just moping around for how many years? 30 years. And you say, this is dull to me. Why is it? Because he is not opening your eyes. That's my prayer. And I pray you open my eyes. Open my eyes. And at 19 or 18, whatever, Lord delivered me from the pornography addiction and all the other stuff you do. You know, when the temptations were coming, the Lord was opening my eyes. And you know, when he opens your eyes, you got some highlights, you got some underlines in there. And I see some of you smiling, others of you not. Man, because you get it. And so when the temptation comes and tries to kick, I'll use two feet. You know, hi-ya. It doesn't work. Ow, that hurts. You are going to say no because you're filled. 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 And it's not today. It's tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. I'm not talking about what you know about knowledge. No, I'm talking about he's writing it on your heart and you just feel it. And I, I hope you can get that. Like it, it's real. But you have to ask him. You have to see that yourself in battle. Because if you don't see yourself standing there in this battle, you're losing. If you don't see yourself in the battle, you don't see the reality, you're losing. You're losing. And that's why I'm trying to see the battle. So that's why it's, it's so powerful when he says, so let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. My prayer is that I would let the Spirit guide my life. Because the problem is I don't. I'll never want to unless he gives me the desire. And so you have to pray for that. And then I thought the other thing, what's the other thing hindering his word being written on my heart or opening my minds? And the word secrets comes to mind. And right when I said that, a couple smiles, but a couple of people are like, I don't want to talk about my secrets. I want to talk about the problems in my past. Guys, if you have big problems, you got adultery, we got other things in there, pornography, everything, that, that's something you need to go find a, a spiritual man. I would say man to man. Lady, find a bigger, uh, spiritual, more advanced lady than you, who is spiritual, you know, bigger, bigger spiritually, um, who is walking with God to help you through that. Little stuff, man, take care of it right away. But it's the secrets, it's the thing when you guys, Courtney and I would come to church so many times, and more often than not, we'd get in a fight every week, it seemed like, on the way to church. We're going to church, you know, Hong Kong, we're late again! The woman you gave me. <laughs> come to church, and you're just grumpy, and the kids are in the back seat watching you guys, you start throwing up back and forth, we're going to church! I'm so mad at you. She's then bad that I'm grumpy, and then I'm grumpy that she got grumpy, that I was grumpy. We're just grumpy, and we walk in the church. Then the door opens. Hey, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Walk in here, and you raise your hands and sing, and your kids are looking up at you guys going, you are bipolar. (laughs) 
I'm not alone. You guys are laughing with me. That's awesome. <laughs> because you naturally, every Sunday morning, are going to get up and do what the sinful nature craves. And he's trying to tell you, be honest. If that's your little secret, just be honest. We got in a fight this morning. Can you pray for me? And if you got in a fight on the way here, you know what you got to do on the drive home. And I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. We've gotten a fight more often on the way to church than we've not gotten a fight on the way to church. But we're trying to redo that history. But we've been in over in Papua New Guinea, so we don't drive to church. We walk to church. But that's our goal. And I pray against that every morning because I naturally want to be a grump. I naturally want to slam that door harder and slam this down. You ever, you ever hear people get mad and angry? You know it. Oh, I see some, I see some nods going up. Because of this problem, pray against it. Whatever the secrets are, maybe it's the bitterness when you say the word dad or uncle or rape or abortion or abuse. Immediately you get this little, or someone's name. You get that little grunt. It means that your heart is becoming more bitter and more bitter until you get that secret out. You get that transparency out so God can deliver you from the bitterness. So you're not angry at your mother-in-law anymore or whoever it is. Whoever it is. You see what I'm saying? Are you willing to do whatever it takes so that he will open your minds to the scriptures and you can actually experience the joy that he talks about, but you don't really get because you're not honest that you're not really getting. You should get it after 35 years in the church. You've been a member and you're embarrassed that it's still dead to you. Man, pray against that. Pray that you open my eyes. And maybe for teenagers, for me, it was pornography. I don't know, eighth graders, ninth graders, whoever you are in here. Don't hide it anymore. Just tell someone. It's the key to joy and happiness in the Father for you. There's so much joy to be had. And that, that's my hope because it is hard to explain, but I hope that you can see the joy and say this is, there is hope for those of you who just puts on out of here feeling like this isn't real. Tim's just being fake up there. Man, no, it isn't. There's reasons. And one of the reasons you don't see the battle, another reason you're not telling your secrets Another reason is you're not praying. I was like, God, why didn't I see this earlier? Well, you never asked me. And you never asked me how to pray. Copyright the Holy Spirit. You think all those prayers were yours and those were your good ideas. But you have no good prayers unless I give you the good prayers. You don't even know how to pray. That's Romans 8, 37. And maybe pray differently over the next two years. Um, we'll be back here in 2020. We have these cards. They're stinking awesome. We know how to market. Chris Carter taught me. And um, taking lessons. Good man. Um, we have these five leaders. You can throw their picture up. We're going back for two years and we're going to work with these five leaders. We had four people. They had to be removed. And these five guys said, man, have the church pray for us. And every time I put people on a card or in a PowerPoint, they walk away from the Lord. It's, I call it the curse of the PowerPoint. How, how's so-and-so? Eh, I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> no, he's, he's walking away. So I told these guys, if I put your names up here, you're going to have 10 more cannons pointed at you, or, or we say 10 more heads of a crocodile ready to open and swallow you. And that's what they said. We, Tim, the crocodiles are there ready to swallow us. Please tell the churches to pray for us. And my goal is in two years that these guys will have multiplied into a few more and I want you guys to have this to pray and know how things are going. So I look forward to hearing how you've grown in the next two years. And we look forward to giving you a report when you see you again. Thanks for listening.